Football MX Network production. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. A new view from inside the truck. X racer to racer and eye to eye. A casual look into the personalities of the sport and an experienced perspective into the action from week to week. It's Jason Thomas's Industry Seating. Presented by Pirelli Tires, Fly Racing, Blends All Racing Motor Oil, Works Connection, Plum Creek Funding, 612 Suspension, Fast Foundry, and Pro Glow. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Industry Seating Podcast. It is Sunday, August 22nd, 2021. I just got back from Bud's Creek, flew back late last night. Pretty long trip across the country, and uh, I was pretty tired. I got up, shoot, I don't know, 4 or 5 in the morning, maybe 4 or something, uh, in Bud's Creek so I could get a workout in and do my Patreon podcast, which kind of previews the day. And yeah, I had to get out to the track and make sure everything was set up as far as Western Power Sports goes and will call and all those things. Then I flew back late, got into uh, to Boise after 11 o'clock local, which is, of course, after 1 a.m. East Coast time. So, you know, 20 plus hour day. Certainly don't expect anybody to feel sorry for me, but I was tired and uh, I feel great this morning. Slept some and excited to get to talk about what you what was a pretty good race day? You know, leaving Unadilla, I felt like it was pretty boring, to be honest. And that's nobody's fault. We've had great racing this year, especially in the 450 class. We've had just all-time battles and parity and a lot of uh, uncertainty at the top, which if you've been following this sport for a while, you know is uncommon. We've just seen so much domination at times, and that could last for several years, whether it's you know, Carmichael to, uh, you know, Stu to Dungy to Vilpoto and on and on and on. And then even Tomac wins three titles in a row. So it's just, it was just nice so far this season to not really know what was going to happen. And we still don't, we've, we've certainly established some trends. We know much more of what to expect, but we still don't know who's going to win the moto. Not even really who's going to be on the podium. You know, we've seen guys all, all over the map, and that's even with injuries. You know, the defending champion, Zach Osborne's not even racing. Before we get too far, I want to thank the sponsors of this podcast, which make this all possible. Pirelli Tires, they launched the new range of Scorpion MX32 mid-soft tires, and they are uh, big supporters of many of the privateers out there, guys like Cody Shock, just killing it this 450 motocross season. Uh, they have such a great off-road and motocross range. That's really where I felt like Pirelli had a, an advantage. And I didn't really get to make the most of it. I was on my way out of, of racing by the time I got you know involved with Pirelli on a, on a heavier level. But I could still feel the difference. I could tell that it was an upgrade over what uh, what I had been using, on, especially on the outdoor, outdoor side. Guts Racing, check out that RJ wide wing seat. Adds grip. Gives you a little bit more surface area to grip the bike with. Pump Creek Funding, get your house refinanced ASAP. These rates aren't going to last. We, we just got a huge discount as well. Uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac took off a half a percent fee 
that was standard on all refis, that's gone now, which is, uh, yeah, that's a lot of money if you start thinking about more expensive houses, what that can save you. So reach out to Plum Creek Funding, Fast Foundry, get your business more efficient. Reach out to Robert there at Fast Foundry and see how they can help you. Doesn't matter what the size of your business is, could be huge, could be small, could be something like a podcast. Let them find out how they can make your your books, you know, even if it's just something like your your payables and receivables. Maybe they, they help you get a little bit more organized. Fast Foundry has answers on that. Works Connection, use the promo code JT21. Get that Pro Launch Start device. They're just ripping starts. Factory Honda, Monster Star Yamaha, just unstoppable. They use the Pro Launch Start device as well. Blends all oils. Check out that new Ultra TPI. Premier Vapor Blasting. Get your bike back up to snuff as far as looks. They can revitalize any piece or part for your motorcycle and make it look brand new again. 612 Suspension will have your suspension needs for any power sports item dialed. Get your oil changed. Get uh, Racetech Gold Valves. They are our Racetech affiliates. You know that guarantees your quality of parts and service. Grantstone Boots, when you're out of the town, I'm hoping to get to go to dinner tonight. Break out my Grantstone Boots, so I'll be looking sharp. Pro Glow Wash Moto 15 is your promo code. Use a wash that is specifically formulated for power sports. Why would you not? Why would you pick something like Simple Green or something that is is built for 10,000 uses versus one very specific use and the types of grit and grime that we're always facing for power sports, chain lubes and oils and all that kind of stuff. And then of course, fly racing where I work every single day. I'll be back in there in the office tomorrow. Okay. Let's jump into it. I appreciate you listening through those sponsors. I wanted to get them at the front of this thing because I'm on to you guys. I know what you do. I know you fast forward through the, through the commercials. I get it. I understand but I've got to keep you guessing. I have to do it at the front this time. So you don't know what's coming. I try to throw you guys some curveballs. But as for Bud's Creek in the 250 class, Jmart did it again. And I didn't think he was going to win the overall. If you watch him in the first moto, it wasn't anything spectacular on his part. He was able to get past Austin Forkner late in the moto to pull off a third in the first moto. But it wasn't a dominating performance or even really anything to write home about for J-Mart in the first moto. It's fine. Third place is fine. Much better than I could ever do. I get it. I don't want it to seem like I'm coming down on him, but I also hold Jeremy Martin in a especially high regard. So for him to finish a distant third, I kind of shrug my shoulders at it. Second moto, totally different guy, totally different level, goes out and I don't want to say smokes everybody. I think he won by eight seconds or so. But impressive when you factor in that Jet was right behind him. You know, Jet could have gone with him, could have done something about it, and one is was unable to. So that says a lot to me. Uh, impressive stuff from J-Mart, and he's just racking up wins here. He's won three out of the last four. Those come with really nice paychecks. So for some people who are like, why is he even out there? Why doesn't he just get surgery? Why doesn't he just wait till 2022? Because he's probably making 50 grand a weekend when it's all said and done to go out there and win the race. So I don't know about you, but 50 grand a week is, is pretty hard to do in most cases and keep it also keep in mind. He hasn't raced a ton. He's been hurt a lot over the last few years. So to rack up these dollars, all that stuff, you know, I I would guess a guy like J Mart is pretty frugal and rightfully so you know, almost 10 years removed from my, the bulk of my racing career. I know how hard it is to make money like that. So a guy like Kim, he can just take that that bonus check, 30, 40, 50 grand, 
put it right into a, a retirement account or some sort of investment account that's going to pay dividends. And every single time he does that, guess what? His financial security looks that much brighter. So I, I kind of get it. And I've heard people say he shouldn't be out there. He should have gotten surgery, blah, blah, blah. Well, in a decade, I bet you he thanks himself for all these, you know, all these wins and all this money. Think about it. He's probably made 150 grand in the last month, maybe less, maybe more, more money and maybe less time. That's, uh, that's pretty powerful to, for a reason to get out there and race with broken fingers and, and a broken navicular and all the things he, he's facing. Uh, yeah, money, money talks. So anyway, good job from him, and I would expect more of the same moving down the stretch, especially as the championship gets tighter. He's going to be racing looser. The other two guys will be racing uh, with more on the line and more to worry about, and that typically leads to conservative riding. Jet, I mean, that was solid. He didn't win. He goes 2-2 on the day. He did make up a point, a single solitary point on Justin Cooper, which it's down to three. So we have the championship battle and all the suspense that we could ask for three rounds to go three points between the two. And it doesn't seem like a lot separates them. Justin Cooper has been better in the first moto and jet has been arguably better in the second moto. That's two weeks in a row. Anyway, you could, you could definitely say that Justin was better than him at Washugo in the second moto until the crash. So I'm really trying to not draw any conclusions here. If you look at their performances, you could build a case for either side. You know, Justin Cooper in those first motos has been lights out. You know, that first moto was incredibly impressive this weekend, as was it at Unadilla. So I don't know if it's going on, if it's the track being more to his liking, if it's a fitness thing, which I, I don't really think it's fitness at this point in the season, but I you know, could always be wrong. But there's something going on where there's a huge disconnect between moto one and moto two. And then Jed has been kind of solid not really any different over the course of the season between both motos. You know, his second motos have been better the last two weeks, but that's maybe a little bit of recency bias. I just don't think we could draw any conclusions necessarily from that. I think the starts have been pretty critical. He he did have a clutch problem in the first moto, so you could just point to that and say, all bets are off because of the clutch. Don't, don't read into anything, which I think is fair. I think he, he was probably riding on the same form in both motos. But when you don't have a clutch in the first moto, yeah, it's, it's going to be difficult to ride your best. Uh, but as far as what I predict down the stretch from those guys, I think you're just going to see back and forth. I don't really see any reason why one guy would break out over the other. The one thing I would say is that it felt like Jet Lawrence had a significant advantage at Paula. So maybe look for that to be a decisive day. But Hangtown... I don't know that that favors one or the other. You know, I don't I don't think Jet has ever raced Hangtown, so maybe that weighs on it. Justin Cooper has more experience there, which could be the deciding factor. We have seen Jet struggle a tiny bit on tracks he hasn't raced before. And I don't mean struggle like he's going to get eighth. I just mean he doesn't have exactly the same high level that he's that he does at other tracks he's familiar with. So if they come down to the last two motos of the year and they're tied or it's super close... Maybe that's the edge that Justin Cooper needs. You know, the starts have certainly been in his corner. I mean, he is, I think he's led a lap or led the first lap in almost every race throughout the season. And you just continually put yourself in plus situations. That's going to wear someone else down. It's going to put so much pressure on everybody else. 
that you end up with a red plate. And it's tight. Don't get me wrong. It's super tight. But could you imagine if Justin Cooper started 15th several times throughout the season the way Jet has? I don't think it would look like this. I, I do not believe that to be true. I think Jet Lawrence would have the red plate, and significantly so, if you switched their starting positions in their first lap positioning at the end of the, you know, when the green flag came out. So that's all ifs and buts, but for lack of a better term, it shows you how powerful Justin Cooper starts and sprint speed in the early laps is. Hunter Lawrence, my last, uh, not my last note, actually. Hunter Lawrence, uh, I have okay, not great in my notes. It's all right. Fourth overall, but don't you agree that you expected more this outdoor season? He hasn't really been in the fight many times. You know, Southwick was great. Don't get me wrong. Incredibly strong day. Really the best rider on the track all day. But most of the other races have kind of been eh for a guy that I thought would be firmly in this championship fight. I, I really did. You know, as he took so many steps forward in Supercross. I thought that would transition to outdoors. And again, it's not bad. It's not like he's doing poorly, but he's not on the level of the other guys, in my opinion. I don't think he's as good as Cooper, his brother Jet, or Jeremy Martin consistently. He's consistently not as good as those guys. So take it for what you will. I'm sure he doesn't care about my opinion, and he might actually agree with me, to be honest, because it's it's pretty black and white that he is a three, four, five, six place guy, and that's unless you have some outlier day with different conditions or, or terrain that suits him, that's just where he's been really all season long. Austin Forkner is the last guy I had notes on. That was a positive day. If you are an Austin Forkner fan, if you have been wondering WTF when it comes to Austin Forkner, like many of us have, that was something to really latch onto and say, okay, we made positive strides forward today. His pace was better. He qualified better. His starts were good. His pace was good. Fitness could be a little better, but you don't really know if that's because he's trying so hard to go with the leaders and that he's just not used to it, or if he was actually feeling the effects of the humidity, or maybe he did get a little bit tired. I don't know. You know, that's all speculation, but the end result being four or five is pretty damn good. He, he should be happy about it. Monster Energy Pro Circuit should be happy about it. And I think it's something he can build on. He can take that and say, okay, this is where we springboard off of and we rewrite the story for the season starting now. So I was happy for him. I don't know him at all. You know, I, I don't even know if I've ever talked to him, but I was happy for him because I know what it feels like to struggle. I know what it feels like to not have any answers in a season. And when you have that great day where things just go right for once, it's not even that you celebrate. It's more you just take a huge deep breath and get a nice sigh of relief. And you actually, you sleep for once. Uh, you know, you lay your head down at night and you don't have a million thoughts running through your head. You just get to relax a little bit. So I was, uh, I was happy for him on that front anyway. 450 class, let's jump right into it. And for those of you who may not have ever listened, we do power rankings on this show. And it's really more just a guide to keep me on topic and on point, but it also tracks trends tracks momentum, where guys are flowing throughout the season and the steps forward. And we, we monitor these throughout the year and they move up and down, but it's going to look pretty similar this week. I'll just put that on the front end because I think that the power rankings bore out what we have been predicting and the trends that we have been seeing were really just solidified this weekend. 
there was there wasn't a lot of outlier events. There was just more continuation of the things we had seen for weeks and months now. So at number 10, I have Christian Craig and I really pushed him back only because he had a bad day, you know, a huge crash in the first moto. I mean, that was a big one. It could have been so much worse. So I'm happy to see Christian get away from it and be healthy for the most part, I believe, uh, on this Sunday. But man, we have seen some huge crashes on that section. We saw uh, practice get red flagged in the morning for the 250 class. We've seen Millsaps get hurt there. Baggett get hurt there. You know, you just go down the line of people that have gotten hurt on that particular jump and section, and it's caught a lot of people out. So thankfully, uh, CC's okay and was able to get back out there in the second moto. Number nine, Joey Savacci, and he is on the trend up, right? If you were drawing a chart as far as him getting better or worse, it has to be him getting better. You know, he his pace has improved. His consistency is getting better other than the, the first, uh, second moto at Unadilla crashes. But a 7-6 uh, or 6-7, six, six, excuse me, for sixth overall is a positive step. And the starts are good. Fitness seems okay. You know, he could use a little bit more speed, I think. But he is on the cusp of beating Cooper Webb. I mean, he is right there to, you know, where he's beating the preeminent KTM star. So look for him to, I think, push forward as the season winds down. I think he realizes the opportunity that as guys are getting, they're over it. I'm using air quotes around over it as the season gets long because yeah, it's been a long year. People are tired. It gets hotter. It's going to be hot. You know, this Ironman, and then we're going to go to California. It's going to be hot and people are going to be really looking forward to taking some time off. But if you are opportunistic, if you have the right mindset and you stay motivated, there is a really good chance to put in good results late in the season. That's something I always harped on, both Supercross and Motocross. Use it to your advantage. Take the temperature of the field. And when you see guys are just like ready to ready to be home on the weekend, they don't even want to be there. They're simply going through the motions. They basically stop practicing and training through the week because in their mind, there's nothing to be gained and they're not going to get out of shape before this is all said and done anyway. That should be your cue to step it up. Like go all in and try to get try to get that podium finish if you're Savachi. Try to put in top five finishes in motos. And I think it is there for the taking if uh, if he takes it with just that approach. So good job by Savachi, and I think there's more to come on that front. Number eight, Marvin Muscan. Not a great day. You know, the first moto, bad start. I don't know if he crashed, but he was way back on the first lap. And on a track like Bud's Creek where you can't pass, it's super soft, which leads to it being even more one-lined. Good luck to you with the bad start. And he just, you know, he couldn't move forward past a certain extent. And he's he's riding well. I don't feel like it's condemnation on his part. It's just you have to put yourself in good situations. You have to get a good start when the field is fairly deep and it's really hard to pass. So, I think more of what we've seen from Marv, you know, he got a podium at Unadilla. So this was a significant step back, but I think it was more situational and he just was never really in the fight. He just was never up front uh, that I saw anyway to give himself a, a real opportunity anyway. So he finds himself at number eight. Number seven is Aaron Plessinger. And this is more, uh, he and number six is Barsha, but both of them are more body of work 
than it is anything recent because it's kind of been a, a hot mess for both of them as of late. You know, Barsha hasn't raced in two weeks. AP kind of hasn't either. I mean, crashes out a Unadilla DNF, DNF, and then DNF, DNF again this weekend due to the lingering effects. So I kept them in here because they are both racing and or coming back very soon. It certainly hasn't been based on anything as of late. And, and if it was, they would be higher up than this. I, you know, that 6-7 could be easily be replaced by like a 4-5 had, be, had they been racing and putting in steady results. But uh, yeah, not much to say on them. Hopefully Barsha's back sooner than later. Uh, I would expect to see him at the last couple rounds, especially if we stay on this Motocross the Nations course that we're on. And then AP... He was close to being ready this weekend. You know, you could just tell that the lingering effects of that crash were just too much. It's too much pain, you know, too sore. You're asking a lot of your body, a, a super hot race, rough racetrack, and you're pushing your body to the extremes. It's wounded. Like it's not healthy. Your body's been working overtime all week to heal. It's not even healthy yet. And then you're going to put that much strain load and, and put it under duress. Yeah. You're, it's not typically going to go well for you in that situation. It's just, you're, if you're listening to your body in that scenario, you're probably like, okay, we need to call it here because I'm not ready. Like my body is not ready to push to these limits yet. And that's just how I saw it from the outside without talking to him. I've just been there. I've lived through that dynamic and you feel fine sitting around for the most part, but then push your heart rate to 180 for 25 minutes, you know, plus, and, you know, push your body temperature to a hundred degrees because it's so hot out and yeah, bad things are going to happen if you're not able to, or if your body's not a hundred percent at that point, number five, Cooper Webb fifth overall again. So he certainly has found his home for now. I think he's still getting better. I just don't think you're going to see a gigantic leap forward. I feel this was the best shot for it. This track works for him. He He's good at starts with this track. And if you get a good jump and you can control the inside, you typically get a good start at this race, which he did both motos. He just doesn't have the pace yet. And I don't think it's coming this season. And we only have a few weeks left. I don't even know how much effort he's really putting in now. But I think you'll see a different Cooper Webb come January. You know, I, I think this whole summer has been about going through the motions, which is totally understandable. I get it. After such a huge, momentous Supercross season, your second Supercross championship, he didn't really prepare at all. You know, he came in to motocross practice after Supercross even ended. He he wasn't even testing or practicing when everybody else was motoring down in April. He's just like, nope, I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to make sure I lock up the Supercross championship. Well, there is a price to pay, and he's paying it week in and week out. And I'm, I'm sure deep down he's probably like, eh, whatever. Guess what? I'm Supercross champ. And I, I would use a cuss word at the end of that, but I'll keep it clean for this being a family show. But I'm sure on one hand he's frustrated. But on the other hand, he knows the sacrifice that he made. He knows the choice that he made, and he has a number one plate uh, and, and a huge multi-million dollar bonus check uh, in his bank account because of that choice. Number four, Chase Sexton. And he is trending upwards, right? When we talked about Savachi trending upwards, he is on that same path where he's getting better week in and week out. Now you could say that maybe he needs a tiny bit more fitness, 
but I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just him elevating and it's it takes time to get comfortable running that pace for 35 minutes. You know, is, is he pushing the edge too much, which is unsustainable? That would be more where I come down because I, I think he's fit. I think he works extremely hard, but I just think he gets really excited in the beginning and the midpoint of the moto trying to catch a guy like Roxon that he blows himself up a little bit. And if you've never heard that term, blowing yourself up, it's just you spike your heart rate, you push too hard, and then you have to back it down. Like your body's just like, nope, you're over the limit. You are at an unsustainable level. We're going to have to take it down a little bit uh, to finish this out. And, And then I think that's where you see him just start to lose spots a little bit. And I think that's just youthful exuberance. That's just, uh, not pacing yourself, which most riders will say, well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not pacing myself. I'm going wide open the whole time. Eh, I don't agree with that. From my experience, you are pacing yourself. And I don't mean like you back it down to 50%. I just mean you can't go flat out full sprint the whole moto. You can't do that. You have to find a comfortable pace that you can sustain for that 35 minutes, which is high. It's a, it's a relative level of sustainability, but it's not full sprint. It's not like qualifying laps. That, that's not what's happening out there. And I just think Sexton goes into that mode where he just puts in this huge splurge of energy and then he has to back that down because no one can really hold that. You know, maybe you can hold it for a few laps, but not for 20 minutes. So number three, Eli Tomac, kind of a blah day, nothing exciting, uh, nothing really I don't think to write home about, you know, there were a few positive laps, you know, he did put in a splurge there similar to Sexton where you thought, Oh boy, here comes Tomac. And then he wasn't able to hold that. So you don't know if that's, you don't know, really know what to attribute that to because yesteryear, when you see that happen, everybody else is in deep trouble for the rest of the moto. Tomac is going to put in heaters consistently, maybe not his best lap, but close and he is going to systematically just eradicate the field. That's that's what you would expect when you see that flash from Tomac, and he just can't seem to harness that consistently now. I don't know what to make of it. I haven't known what to make of it for over a year, but it's it's pretty apparent that it's different. Whatever has happened, age, uh, different approach to training, priorities, I don't know. You know, maybe it's falling out with the team, right? He's making this fundamental switch to Monster Energy Yamaha. I don't know, but there, I can certainly see the difference in his performance. And that's really, in the end, that's all that matters. The reasons don't always have to matter, uh, but the end result certainly does. Number two, Kenny Roxon. What a day, man. He doesn't get the overall, but you want to talk about somebody that is just absolutely lights out at the beginning of a moto fast twitch. No one can touch him at the beginning of a moto when he, when he's feeling it. Okay. I know he has bad days, but when he's feeling it and things are normal, get out of his way on the first lap, just move or you will be moved. He is so much better at the immediate sprint pace. And I don't know. I think it's just a physiological thing where that's just how his body's wired. He can go to from zero to a hundred instantly where everybody else takes a while to warm up. Cooper Webb, we've seen that in Supercross where he needs to get going. Ryan Dungey was that way. Eli Tomek is certainly that way. But Roxon, it's like the gate drops and he's at his best before you can even get to the first turn. And it's just poetry in motion to watch. 
I admire it so much because I never had it in on any level really. You know, everybody has breakout days, but on a consistent level, I could never do that. And you watch him just blow through the field effortlessly. For us it looks effortlessly. I'm sure he's trying hard. But it is it is incredible, man. I just think if you really pay attention to what you're watching, it's it's pretty legendary. And he's been great. You know, one two today. He uh, you know went one one at Unido last week. He's trying to keep this this championship close, which he's doing reasonably. You know, Ferrandis has been awesome, so I think the points lead what stays at is at thirty nine still. So if you're Roxon, not a really positive day because you need to bring those points down. Even though you rode incredibly well, net net net, it wasn't a win per se points wise. And then if you're Ferrandis, which is obviously your number one in the power rankings, that's what you want. With four races left, you are absolutely content with keeping the status quo. 39 points, perfect. I'll leave Saturday, and then you take me to Ironman next weekend. If we leave there with 39 again and I get the overall win, I'll take it every single time. All you have to do is protect against a really bad day a Millville-type day where you lose a bunch of points. That's what you... Well, I shouldn't even say that because Rock's in DNF to Moto, but that type of day where you you open the door to a possible big points loss. That's what you don't want. Status quo, lose a point here, gain a point there. That is perfect. That's just how you draw it up. And then you get that big bonus check for the overall win on top of it. Not much better than that, especially late in the series. So... Ferrandis is on fire. He has been the story of this summer and kudos to him and his team. I just been talking to people that are associated with him and close with him. And I didn't really know this about it, but he is really, really dedicated to his craft on a level that uh, most people haven't seen. And the people I'm talking to about, I trust because they, they know what they're looking for on that level. And, you know, I I think, uh, you know, Jason Wigan and, and Grant Langston have made, mention of this lately on the broadcast, but he doesn't really have any other hobbies. He doesn't have interests. He doesn't, you know, do anything throughout the week other than figure out how to be better at racing. And I think that is what we've seen from other guys. You know, that's what Alden Baker's program harps itself on is this window of time, these number of years, this is all you're going to do. And yeah, it's going to, it's going to suck at times and you're going to be bored and burn out and hate it. But guess what? You are going to be lethal. You're going to win everything. You're going to be the title favorite every year. You're going to make millions upon millions of dollars in a short window. Everyone's going to want to hire you. Everyone's going to want to pay you. And your bank account is going to balloon. And your legacy is going to explode throughout this time frame if you're willing to put in the work. If you're willing to cut out every other distraction. Forget about fun. Forget about hobbies. This is all we're doing. Rest, recovery, riding, training, nutrition. That's it. Exclude everything else. And I, I believe that's where Ferrandis is from the, the people that I know and trust telling me that. And I know that's what Alden Baker absolutely requires. But the proof is in the pudding, right? The results are there. Look at Ferrandis this year. You know, Supercross was a little rough. I think he's got some work to do. The speed was there. But then look at his last couple of seasons indoors, outdoors, 250, then outdoors, 450. I don't know how you can argue against what he's doing. You may say he's not having a ton of fun. What if winning is fun? What if, what if you derive 
your enjoyment and your validation in life from results. Some people do. Not everyone does. I don't think Ken Roxon does most of the time. He's a he's a free spirit. He likes to do lots of things. That's great too. But Ken Roxon also has two motocross titles and a ton of wins and a ton of money. He has millions of dollars, right? So for Ferrandis, who was in Europe, not making a ton of money, he's only been here a few years. He's still building up you know, his retirement dollars and his legacy and titles and all those things. He's, he's a rookie in the 450 class, for God's sake. I think it's totally fine. I think it's totally acceptable because Kenny was on the Baker program when he was winning. So if you want to push back and say, well, Kenny doesn't do it that way. He used to. He used, and that's partially why he left. He, he didn't want to do that stuff anymore. And you're seeing guys like Cooper Webb go away from it too. But guess what? Cooper Webb has two Supercross titles. So he can do whatever the hell he wants. His financial security is sealed long-term and he's not even close to done yet. So I don't know why I got off on that tangent, but hearing the sacrifices that Ferrandis is making, I cheer for him now. When I see him win, I'm like, yep, that's how it's supposed to work. You sacrifice everything and compromise on every level. The results are supposed to show up in that scenario and they're there. They are absolutely coming based on the work that he's been doing. So that's kind of it for the power rankings. Um, yeah, as you can tell, I'm pretty impressed by Ferrandis. I didn't expect to get a uh, go off there, but um, I just think there's a lot to be said for guys willing to sacrifice everything else. And I don't mean sacrifice. I just mean compromise. There's always compromise. Every decision you make, do I go to the track today and stay there all day and ride and test and do everything I can to be better on my motorcycle? Or do I leave early and I go on the boat this afternoon and I go hang out with my friends and do lots of things that go fishing, whatever, whatever your passion may be, it's compromise. Do I go to the mall with my girlfriend because she's begging me to, or do I go on my couch and I get my, put my, uh, recovery, you know, like game ready stuff on my legs and I put my feet up and let my legs recover from the bicycle ride and the gym and the riding that I did today, right? Which isn't as much fun. You're probably going to take some heat from your significant other, but that's what it takes. Those are the compromises you have to make. And I think that if you look over time, the people that were willing to sacrifice everything and put everything else on a secondary level, those are the people that end up rewriting the history books. So anyway, motocross the nations, Last topic here, uh, you're, you're seeing a lot of back and forth people saying, you know, Steve Mathis is like, let's not even go. Let's wait for another year where it's normal. And I say, F you to that. I say, let's go. Who cares what level teams we have? If, if riders in MXGP don't want to go, don't go. I don't care. I, I understand you're in a championship and you don't want to be there because you're worried about injury and all that. That's fine. No problem. Guess what? Team USA has sent teams that were made up of two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth place guys. We've done it multiple times. So I don't care that they don't, they're not at full strength this year. Welcome to our world. You know, when was the last time that Team USA sent their best possible team? I would say probably uh, going back to Latvia when it was Dungey, Tomac, and Jeremy Martin. And then Jeremy Martin breaks his foot. On Saturday at the race. Now you could say, you know, like, uh, you know, France was pretty good. We had what? Barsha, Webb, and 
Amart or Jmart, Jmart maybe. That was a pretty good team, but it wasn't our best team. There's no way you can tell me without Dungey or Tomac on it that it's our best team. So I'm totally fine with sending the guys that want to go. You you want to give me Sexton, Barsha, and RJ? I am all in. I will take that to the bank. Send them over there. We're good. Your team doesn't get your best guy because of whatever scenario. That's fine. Welcome to where where Team USA has been, and that's been our decision, our riders' decision to not go. Tomac deciding not to go can't do anything about it. That's up to him. But it's the same situation as whichever team that you like, Ferrandis or whoever. You know them not going. Guess what? That's what you're dealing with. You have to go deal with that. USA deals with it every single year. So we're going to take the best team that we can conjure up. And your country is going to conjure up the best team that they can. And we're going to go race. And whoever wins, I'm not putting an asterisk on it. If USA loses, that's fine. I'm used to it at this point. We haven't won since, what, 2011? So whatever. Who cares? Let's have a great motocross of nations. In my opinion, it's the best race of the year. You never get the international flair and passion and camaraderie at any other event of the year than you do like motocross of nations. Anaheim one is the closest event to it. The, the hype, the atmosphere, the, there's so much electricity in the air at Anaheim one, but it's a different feel of motocross of nations. That's just its own unique event. And the people that are saying, let's not water it down. I do understand. I, I do get that sentiment. You want it to be pure and you don't want it to be any lesser version of itself. But if I have to choose between a lesser version and not having it at all, I'll take the lesser version. Not having it at all sucks. We didn't have it last year. You know, after a year and a half of COVID, I'm, I'm ready for it. I want to go back to Italy. I'm, I'm going either way probably because I'll be in Sardinia the weekend before. But I just want that event back. I, I love it. I love being a part of that event. I, I've been lucky enough to do the television broadcast there and I get to do it again this year. So don't take it away. Listen, the last year and a half have been simply nothing but things being taken away. And whether it's tragedy as far as lives being taken away, livelihoods being taken away, your hobbies being taken away, uh, it's there's a lot of a lot of bad out there, bad news everywhere you turn, and tragedy and just a lot of struggle. Can we just have some positivity? That's it. Can we just have a race? And if people don't want to race for whatever reason, that's okay too. I'm good with it. I promise you. People will want to race for their country if they have the opportunity, right? Maybe it's a chance for a lesser known guy to get to step up and race for their team. They will probably never get to do that again. You know, like Cole Seeley, he had the most horrific experience at Matterly Basin probably ever. But if you listen to his interviews, he was so ready. Like he jumped at the opportunity because he understood that he may not never get that again. And he didn't, he never got a chance to do it again. And that's the kind of thing that we're creating opportunities for some guys. Like I was never close. I, I get it, right? I remember the I think the closest I would have ever gotten would have been like oh three through oh six if if the world had melted down and no one wanted to go, maybe I could have found a way in there somehow, some way, but very unlikely. You know, I would have been like tenth on the list for the four fifty class and everybody would have had to decide to not go. There would have had to been some sort of pandemic like we're seeing now and I would have raised my hand, you know. But I can tell you in that scenario, there's no way in hell I would have ever told you no. 
No way, right? I would have been lobbying. I would have been carrying around a picket sign, you know, uh, campaigning for myself to get in there. The underdog story, put me on the team, coach. And I would have gotten my ass kicked. Don't get me wrong about that. But I would have, I would have killed for the opportunity to race a race like that. So that's my rant. I'm over it. I just want to have this event go off and whoever ends up racing good on you. We'll see you there. And let's let the gate drop in Manseville on uh, September 27th or whatever that day is six, seven, whatever. I think it's both days. So thank you to all the sponsors again. I appreciate all of you being a part of this Pirelli, Guts Racing, Pump Creek Funding, Fast Foundry, Blenzol, Premier Vapor Blasting, Works Connection, 612 Suspension, Pro Glow Wash, Fly Racing, Grandstone Boots. We'll see you next week after Iron Man. Goodbye.